Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Creating net new pipeline opportunities right now is the hottest topic for every sales professional in the world. And this week, we're joined by Justin Michael, who is a sales practitioner around creating top of the funnel opportunities. And he's going to talk to us today about some of the tactics that he uses to drive his outreach. He personalizes, as he says, at scale and how he leverages technology to enable him to create an endless amount of net new opportunities. This episode is brought to you by VanillaSoft.com sales engagement platform like no other. VanillaSoft is a platform that helps you engage your leads like a CRM just simply can't do. CRM are great, but to engage with your leads effectively, to turn a marketing qualified lead into a sales qualified lead and put more opportunities into your pipeline, you need to get yourself a sales engagement platform. So do yourself a favor, head over to VanillaSoft.com, sign up for a free trial, and see why so many salespeople are closing more deals as a result of using Vanilla Soft. So before we get into today's show, guys, I just want to say thanks again for subscribing and for listening to this podcast. I do this to help you be the very best you can be. Please continue to like, rate, and share wherever you listen to podcasts. And please don't forget to send me a message on LinkedIn. I absolutely love receiving those messages of gratitude and thanks. So please keep it up. What I love about the world of selling right now is we we have the ability to access some incredible content from some incredible thought leaders and practitioners about you know how, how to execute pretty much every part of the sales process. But with all that content, with all the tactics and strategies, we can often get a little bit overwhelmed. And we can go to go, well, what should we be doing? One person's telling us one thing, one person's telling us another thing. I think what I'm really excited about with this week's show is for those of you who do know Justin Michael and those of you who might not know him, I know him pretty well and the guy is a fucking maniac. And I say that with respect because he's a really good friend of mine, right? But when you hear this episode, you're just going to go, holy shit, he's on another level. And he's about to author a book with a very, very good friend of mine, Tony J. Hughes, all about sort of technical quotient. And that's coming out next year. And he really has spent a lot of time sort of diving deep into the world of technology and you know how to scale your outreach attempts and how to personalize and how to leverage technology and how to build sequences and all that sort of fun stuff. But he hasn't just learned it through theoretical practices. He's learned it by doing. He's an actual practitioner. He does it every single day. And this is what I love about this particular topic today. This is what I love about the conversation because... He's going to share some sort of insight as to what is the big picture, what's happening in the world of selling over the next couple of years, and why we must. It's not a, it's not a negotiable. It's not even a something that we even need to think about. Why we must consider how we're going to market and what are we doing to create net new opportunities for ourselves. And I think the love affair of SDR has really been quite challenged because eighty-seven percent, I think it's eighty-five or eighty-seven percent of SDRs last year missed their target. And one could argue, well, that's because we shouldn't be conducting the type of outreach we need to conduct. But the reality is, if you want to maintain a healthy pipeline, 
if you don't want to go hungry, you've got to be creating opportunities because your buyers, not all your buyers are out there looking for what you have. So you've got to be proactive in engaging with them. And there are definitely some tactics that you can take to market to create that conversation, put messages that's going to compel them to take action. And so I think moving forward, the biggest thing people entering the world of selling today or people that have been in the world of selling for the last 20 years is prospecting and facilitating these conversations and executing on these strategies are going to become more and more important moving forward. As we emerge from what has been an incredibly tough year for many, the marketing budgets that we've seen companies use to generate MQLs are no longer there. A lot of companies are cutting back. But the problem is quotas haven't changed, right? So salespeople are still expected to achieve the result they need to achieve and they're just given less resources. So now we need to we need to come up with clever ways and we need to really be thinking about our buyer personas and how we can create content that's going to compel them to take action and bring them into the top of our funnel. So I'm really excited about bringing you this episode. Um, there's a lot of nuggets in this and Justin Huey's, like I said, he'll go from one topic to another, but that's because he's an absolute maniac and you're going to love it. So guys, can't wait to share this episode so you can be the best prospector you can and so we can help you be the best sales professional you can be. Welcome to the show, Justin. Luigi, how are you? Um Coming in hot here from Southern California, uh, the life of a Don Henley lyric, uh, sunny and 72. I, I can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, the background where you are looks amazing, mate. So uh, I'm staring at bloody, it's freezing cold Melbourne weather in Melbourne and you're sitting there in, in sunny California. I'm, I'm jealous, brother. I'm jealous. <laughs> I got my sunflowers, my chickens, and my bamboo, so it's an eclectic <laughs> mix. But uh, I'm obsessed with B2B sales. I didn't lose that obsession when the uh, the crisis hit, so I'm excited to talk with you. I really uh, always admire your content and positivity. Yeah, thanks, man. And I know that we've we're actually spending time just before time together in um in LA just before this all hit with our with our good friend Mary Lou Tyler. And who would have thought that um mate when we're sitting in that uh, in that hotel. <laughs> in LA that the world would go into a utter complete lockdown and chaos. Um, and, and here we are. It, it's so true. I mean, when I think of sci-fi, I love Blade Runner and the matrix and, you know, the fifth <laughs> element and it's, they call it dystopia, right. Or cyberpunk. Cause like everything went wrong as opposed to utopia where it's like William Shatner and everybody's perfectly dressed and they've cured disease. And this is one of those moments where I feel like I'm in some kind of weird, you know, sci-fi movie, like yeah. Bruce Willis is just going to walk out and start saving us. <laughs> the fifth element, I know. Um, but mate, look, pretty pumped to have you on the show. And I think, I think everybody at the moment, and, the, and, and we've seen an absolute, uh, from a digital perspective, companies have just had to rush to become digital, right? Um, there were many companies that were digital, but now there were a lot of companies that it really exposed not having the right systems in place for their people to go remote. And you're coming up with a book with our, with our dear friend, Tony Hughes. You're writing an incredible book called TQ. And we'll get you back on the show when that goes live. But um, first, first and foremost, we know IQ. We know now EQ. What the hell is TQ? Yeah, thanks. I've found it as a DQ also, digital quotient. <laughs> 
And then AQ, which is adaptation quotient. I mean, you can make a quotient out of anything, I guess. But psychology today, rather than giving it a number, it's the ability for humans to leverage complex technology systems, and it's an aptitude for that. As much as you can actually become more empathetic and strengthen your EQ by thinking about the other person and empathy, and you can do brain training like on Lumosity to improve your IQ, right? Yeah. Like studying for the SAT, the test in, in America, you probably have an equivalent in Australia. Uh, <laughs> you can improve your technology quotient. And what I found with the 6 million reps, um, you know, that there's a technology avoidance style, especially for field reps who feel mm. like, you know, sequencers or sales engagement, that's, that's for the kids, the millennials, like that's the SDR, sales development team, the inside sales team will use all the tech. Yeah. I'm going to use my, my pen and pad. I'm old school. Watch this, you know, and smile and dial in, in my relationships. But it's like outrunning a bear, right? If you and I outrun the bear and I have like a beat up moped and you get better track shoes, you're going to get eaten by the bear because <laughs> yeah. I'm going to use the, any technology. So strangely, as everyone's remote now, you know, millions of people, rather than AI taking the job, the people that become irresistible reps, they understand sales operations and how to use LinkedIn Sales Navigator or Zoom Info Data or HubSpot or Outreach or Sales Loft or Xan or all these different platforms. And I started researching it about, you know, it's hundreds of millions that, that go into the outbound sales tools, right? Inbound yep. was the rage. And there's Marketo and, you know, the Salesforce Marketing Cloud and all that stuff that's gone into the CRM clouds is really important. Well, outbound is having its day now in the sun mm. and it's been vastly accelerated. So there's going to be uh, $5 billion invested into sales engagement platforms like the G2 Crowd sales tech stack tools. So I realized that Aaron Ross and Predictable Revenue in 2011 is Henry Ford. And now our challenge is to be Tony Stark and use the Jarvis Iron Man suit. Now, that doesn't mean I'm Tony Stark. It <laughs> doesn't mean we have a Jarvis suit. But if we aspire to that thinking, it's really powerful for yeah. superhuman scaling. Perfect example, you're sitting on LinkedIn. Okay, you've got Navigator Boolean searches. You can find the right people on LinkedIn. You've got that. You've mastered it. Now you go to another platform like LeadIQ. Lucia, you get the data, the email, the phone number, you get good at calling them, you get good at these manual sequences. Well, why wouldn't you then 10x that? Mm. You could hit a button and pre-program that flow <laughs> and yeah. have AI yeah. do it for you or even automation, right, with elements of AI. Yep. That would be really effective, right? So the, the big overarching construct for me is that 70% of what an outbound seller does is automatable by today's technology. And unfortunately, reps sell about 36% of the time. Mm. So if we can free up that 70%, all the administration and data entry and CSV files and API calls, all that stuff that we're tearing our hair, hair out, <laughs> mm. then it unlocks the human Like for us to do this. Ideate, imagine, create, scope, consultative selling. is We're back in business, right? Yeah. It's an interesting concept, and I think... Look, as, as a sales pro myself that has embraced technology because I'm always kind of interested in new ways and, and it's funny because you see, you, you just mentioned that outbound's been revitalized, right? Because everybody said inbound and I've been on the other fence of inbound and going, yes, when companies have great inbound campaigns, they deliver incredible lead volumes, but their conversion metrics aren't as high as they would expect, right? 
um, versus outbound, the cost per acquisition for outbound can often be cheaper than inbound. Um, before we go into that sort of detail about the type of sequences, a bit more TQ, just go back a step. Tell us a bit about how you started in sales A and then where the passion came from for you to really go and learn about leveraging technology to drive sales results. It's really interesting. So I just turned 40 and yeah. 2021, when the book releases, will be my 20th year in sales. I fell into it when I was 21 years old. I was a telemarketer. I was a, a phone agent. I guess Johnny Depp had this job. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he used to try to act in LA and he would sit in these phone, phone rooms. But it was kind of a cool phone process because everyone had the exact 10-minute script. So you couldn't change the script for compliance and legality, but you could do all sorts of things with like downtones, uptones, rebuttals, objections, and you kind of learned it like almost like Bob Ross and Paint by Number. There's like 10,000 reps in these huge centers. They later went offshore, and there's just three, four, five people that made all the money. They're making like you know six figures sitting on phones. And it's the same 10-minute script. So that really baffled me. Yeah. So I started, they started, they woke up at 3 a.m. so they could call the East Coast. That was the first thing. They're really good markets back east. Okay, I'm gonna get up at 2 a.m. Got on the phone, bombed. I was average, couldn't do it. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go sit next to them. I sat next to them and started doing exactly as I could, sitting like them, talking like them, emulating them, boom. Uh, within three months, I was top five rep out of 10,000. So I figured that piece. Um, I did telesales, offshore stuff for the majority of my mid-20s. And then I got the startup bug. I started selling SaaS. I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to the mecca of tech. I'm going to San Francisco. Uh, I don't have a college degree, all self-made, fell into the stuff, <laughs> got there, and I could not get hired. Um, and then suddenly I did. My first boss was actually Sean Parker of the famous Justin Timberlake. He was one of the early Facebook people, I think, yeah. claimed to famous. He introduced um, <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg to Peter Thiel to do the Facebook deal. Uh, at the time, he was very into Lord of the Rings. He'd come to the office with like a big staff, like Gandalf. You know, he was super cool um, and very down to earth and, and shrewd and sharp, and had an amazing experience. So I worked for nonprofit SaaS tools. I had some investors who had helped to introduce me the job, and then I went to Salesforce when I was 31, and that really was amazing. I boot camped with Todd Capone from the Transparency Sale. Yep. You know that book? Yeah, yeah, great. he was my trainer. Well, <laughs> former SAT guy, you know, he would say things like, "The purpose of the step is to get to the next step." You know, he's like the Yoda, <laughs> the Yogi Berra <laughs> of sales trainers. You yeah. know, um, I guess like the the legend is SAP would get, you know, some astronomical figure just to come into the company to assess the problem, and he, they would make the fortune. So, yeah. Um, so where is this going? So the Salesforce experience and journey building, uh, journey builder and marketing orchestration was really fascinating to me. And really, truly learning email marketing and software as a service and a lot of the products that fit into the major marketing cloud stacks. Now, to really be competitive at Salesforce and take on a big book of business, you had to really understand Oracle. And you understand Microsoft and all the different marketing stacks, tech stacks, service stacks, sales stacks. And so, because they'd acquired so many co companies, we had to get certified and trained. An exact target, you know, had that mm. splashy acquisition. I think it was like $2.5 by... Salesforce. And so I trained in Indianapolis and I trained in San Francisco and I was part of both companies. And from there, I went to 12 different startups and uh, ended up working in a company and consulting 100 startups at once. And the whole purpose of that co company was to automate sales development. It was called Outbound Works. So um, I have primarily worked in the advertising and marketing technology industries in super high growth startups that are like B round. Yep. And I ran into predictable revenue in 2011. I read it five times 
And then I read another 200 sales books and I went looking during the Salesforce times for Tony Hughes as a mentor. And he was doing some really crazy stuff with AI and prognosticating what the craziest future could be. Mm. And I joined a futuristic startup. And uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> so mate, you've, you've, you've obviously you know, got the induction by doing, which is probably all the learning by doing. Yeah. And I think they've got two different people at the moment. You've got people that have the theory and people that actually go and do the practitioners. And um, the more and more I I go down the hole in Alice in Wonderland, so to speak, is the more and more I look for the practitioners to find these hacks, to find, you know, what's actually really working. Tell us a bit about, so if you're a salesperson listening to this, you're a sales leader, you're somebody that has taken a bit bit of time to embrace CRM and now you're going, shit, you want me to have a CRM, I've got a dialer, now I've got a sequence and I've got to build these sequences and I've got to build these emails. Where can one start when it comes to TQ? Yeah, so the book will be called Tech Powered Sales, which yeah. I did a survey, I believe in crowdsourcing. I surveyed like a thousand sales leaders from like, maybe 1,500 from like traditional email to LinkedIn. And that name just kept winning. Yep. The second yep. Uh, most successful name was Sales Hacker. But yeah, no, <laughs> Hacking Sales yeah. in 2015. Yeah, Max wrote a great book there and Sales Hacker is now part of Outreach. So I was like, okay, that validates your model. That's cool too. Um, so you start sequencing and there is actually an Outreach University and a Sales Loft University and a Zant University and a Groove University and they have free tools right there. There's a course by Scott Britton called yep. Cracking Cold Email. Um, there are things I know Sales IQ is, is working on, on the creation pillar, which, yep. you know, talk to Luigi about that. Um, I'm certified there, excited about what Tony Hughes and Luigi are building for those that follow them. Um, LMS is having, you know, learning management solutions are having a renaissance. And it's funny because um, LinkedIn, Linda is right down the street here, huge yep. acquisition. Um, you know, I mean, everybody could talk about big acquisitions and billions and hundreds of millions of all this stuff, but does it drive value? And I think e-learning, is becoming this thing. You're remote, mm. dust off the university, you know, go look at YouTube channels. How about Beck Holland has flipped the script for course, a bunch of free email template tutorials. There's Gabe Villamazar who has a couple of really cool yeah. navigator videos. But you're right, it is rare. It's like revenue operations. There's nowhere, there's no book where you can like learn how to use sequencers. Yeah. Actually, that's not actually the case. Um, sales engagement by Mark Costaclo yeah. and um, Max and Co. And Max and Manny, the CEO, yep. check that one out. And also Leading Sales Development by uh, Jeremy Donovan and uh, also Mary Lou Tyler's work, right? All that's really good. I guess what I'm asking is once you read those and what you just asked, how do you do a pretty elaborate HubSpot integration? Or how do you, you know, now you're going to customize it and get yep. your voice over this tech. That's where it starts to become an art and a science. And right before we talked in this call, you said something that was profound. You said it doesn't even matter the platform where you deploy sequences if the mm. messaging isn't right and and the angle. You, you had something great you said. Yeah, I've seen it all the time. Like in my mind, Outreach, Salesforce, like these platforms are incredible, right? Because they can they can make us more efficient. But if we don't put the right thinking about the buyer persona or the ICP, how they're feeling, we don't try to empathize with them which channel are they engaging with? What that cadence should look like? How are we going to compel them to take action? What value are we giving? The sequence is 
just a mechanism to absolutely just interrupt the shit out of him. Like you see this all the time. And I, I had a coaching call before this session, Justin, and it was awesome, right? Because his subject line, incredible. He's getting 45% open rate on a cold email, which is actually, as you know, it's really high. But he's getting like a 2%, not 1% reply rate, 2% click rate. Right. So it's just great open, then crash. And why? Uh, because the message in the email is all about him. It's It's got, there's no personalization. So he hasn't showed them that he knows him, as Tony says. It's too long. It's probably 200 words. It's not even the length because length can be argued. One can say, you know, 100 words. Tony's a big believer, the shorter the better. But I've also seen other emails that perform well that are a bit longer. But there was not nothing in that email that really gave any sort of value or, or provided any insight or compelled them to take action. And so the five sequences of emails that he got, again, the open rates are good, but his unsubscribe rate's increasing. And so... I think what this has done, this has gone, well, great, let's automate, let's push out mass. We've got Zoom info, we've got lead IQ, we can build these lists quick and bang, 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 and our reps are pushing out more. But the data says, what was the data that was revealed recently by um, Rev Collective? 83% of SDRs are not meeting target in 2019. Yeah. You know, 60 to 70% of salespeople pre-COVID weren't hitting quota. So something's, something's missing. Like we've got more technology, we've got more data, we've got more opportunity as sales pros to be the best we can be, but yet the industry is kind of like not seeing the benefit. So I mean, let's talk about that. Yeah, so there's several answers to that question. One of the answers is actually the lack of IPOs and the technology com companies who don't want to necessarily, you know, do a WeWork or an Uber, like they don't want to necessarily like air the behind the scenes. And a crazy metric, which I had to double verify with a VC I know, is in 2019, 40% of the funding rounds were $100 million or more. You have oh, these wow. mega rounds, and now you have unicorns, decacorns, and hectocorns. What the hell is a decacorn? Company, uh, companies that have a billion dollar valuation, $10 billion valuation, or a $100 billion valuation. <laughs> and then you have this, the big stocks are trillion valuations like Apple, Google, like these massive companies. And so what happens is you have all these verticals, like Mark Andreessen said, software is eating the world. What's the first thing you have to do if you do construction SaaS or shipping SaaS or learning SaaS? You need SDRs. Yeah. And there's only 600,000. So by 2023, you need 2 million SDRs to support the growth of the SaaS revolution. And they have very good multiples and they're easy to invest in, in SaaS companies because they're monthly and you have all these, these fundamentals that make these co companies more valuable. So the whole world is going software, going SaaS. Yeah. And the problem now is you have untrained SDRs who want to be AEs, and I call this the SDR industrial complex. And then you have the Cambrian explosion of tech. In the year 2012, there were 200 marketing technologies. Now the Lumascape features 7,200 marketing technologies. In the Fortune 1000, it's the same two or 300 CMOs that signed the check. 7,000 options, and all 7,000 of these companies have SDRs, they have outreach, oh, they have shit. automation. Yeah. So when you start seeing that, here's what happens. You see a CEO that can sign the check getting 250 emails a day. I was like five years ago. Now it's thousands. Now they shut the email off. They shut the phone off. They, they avoid you. So the only way in is referral paths. That's yeah. why I'm such yeah. a huge fan. And I think there's something to be said for uh, programmatic scaling of referrals, 
or ghostwriting or using AI or ML to do referrals. And this was actually the great realization after you know hundreds of hours of research on this topic. I will say this, one human brain right now is still equal to all human compute. If you find every computer on the earth, your brain is superior to that. And what is it good at? Hyper-personalization. You put out a lot of podcasts. Yeah. What if I watched three or four, found Minute 9 on Podcast 2 when you said this and sent you that in an yeah. email? You'd open that. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm a, and I think- credit to Jeremy Donovan on that one, by the way. Yeah. I have to credit Jeremy. Uh, you know what? I'm looking at these sunflowers here. And they're based on the golden mean, which is a Fibonacci series. Yeah. And Jeremy Donovan was the first to use a sequencer on the Fibonacci series, which is like one, one, three, seven. I'm going to get it wrong, but they do city grids on this. It appears in nature. And when he did that, I was just like, Jeremy Donovan, like <laughs> buy his book. He's just too awesome. He's an alumni. <laughs> he's a podcast alumni for our our podcast. Yeah. And we, we love Jeremy and he puts out some good, incredible good. content. I think I just want to go back a step because what, there's a bit of a bell ringing for me with with what you're saying, and that's incredible. You got seven thousand companies looking for the two or three hundred people to sign checks, and when you think about that, if everybody's throwing out sequencing, they're using this technology to improve their outreach, or not improve actually, probably to um, accelerate their outreach. And they're only putting out generic based content. The probability of them getting any form of engagement from a CMO or a CRO or a whoever they're selling to, whichever C level exec they're selling to, is actually going to be quite low, right? Yeah. So you know, I it's everyone has different accomplishments, and and some this is not a book about I'm the best salesperson. This is a learning enablement book. This is helping you become 1% better. If you make a decision, I can be better with technology. Because yeah. a lot of sellers are like, I'm social. I'm not a math person, right? Like I didn't ace calculus easily. Yeah. I, I, I slogged my way through trig. <laughs> Algebra 3, 4, trig was hard. <laughs> I didn't, I, why do I need a cosine, right? <laughs> um, but if you decide to become a little bit better with technology, you can have an edge. I'll never forget, uh, I, had a, I had a scenario where using, like, using the tech tools, I generated six years of pipeline in six months, and I got a 10x award from a top 20 Seattle startup. And I had another scenario where I took on a competition against an SDR team of five. They sent 30,000 emails, and in three days, I had more appointments and opportunities than the 30,000 emails. And there are 100 reasons why, and it's all in the book. But the truth is, like if you think about Josh Braun and Beck Holland and your mm. stuff, show them you know them, Tony. If you even try, like I was on the phone the other day with a number 10 at Marketo, <laughs> and and we were comparing notes that both of our phone numbers are in the email systems. Like I'm in Zoom Info, I'm in Discover.org, I'm in Lucia, all of them. I actually keep it perfect. And I get like only Gong and Chorus call me. <laughs> and I really do. I love those companies for that. But he said if anyone would just call him and even try, He'd answer it. He'd take the meeting. Yeah, it's it's. I'm I'm seeing that, and I'm seeing. I, I, I see that now. I think email led's powerful. Um, but let's talk about that because again, if you're a salesperson on this phone and your mind's just going completely blowing up, hearing some of this stuff, going holy shit, so many people competing for a small pool. When you think about it, um, what could they be doing if they if they've got a cadence, they haven't been seeing the result, they've got a couple of platforms that. The organization has thrown on them. They've got you've got to use CR, you know, you've got to use Salesforce or Dynamics or HubSpot, and and now we're going to throw a marketing automation tool in there or a sequencer. 
Who should be in charge of building the sequence? So I want to take this on a slight different angle like this. So when I wrote, I wrote about all facets of automation I could find that touched demand gen, marketing, inbound, outbound. It even came down to coaching and artificial intelligence. Here's the thing. If you can afford it, sales leaders listening, look at parallel assisted dialing. Look at dialers 2.0, like connect and sell, connect leader, Aurum. What these things do is they dial thousands of times, then hot switch. Whoa, your team is not sitting there silently, remotely. They're each getting 20 calls a day live. Mm. And now we're talking live fire, live contacts, live rebuttals. It's like 2007 all over again. So that's like recommendation one. They're a little pricey. And there's been changes in that, so go check them out. Number two, um, make sure that if you are going to write the email sequence, like you said, that it's mobile responsive designed. If you have very high open rates, so I think the average is like 20% open rate, 2% reply rate. Mm-hmm. So you're, the guy you were coaching at 40 was doing well. Explore A-B tests around the subject line, the first line, right? I go into CEO's email boxes and it goes, Reaching out. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing yeah. well. On an iPhone, you've got your subject line and your preview just text. You just yeah. wasted. Like, get to the point. Wasted that real estate. Yeah, absolutely. A-B test. And it, think of it like fishing. It's like, okay, they keep hitting the line and opening my subject line. So my first line must suck because nobody. I'm not getting enough opens. You have open tracking in these systems. You can see if they open yeah. three, four times. CTA is like the call to action. There's some research by Gong. Is it going to be Tuesday or Thursday? 15 minutes of your time. Don't do 15 minutes of your time. Right? Pattern interrupt, ask in a weird way, yeah. ask to have a conversation, an interest conversation, get referred. Who should we be talking to there? And then watch your sequencer and the pixel fire tracking. If they open three times, they probably read it, four times they shared it, five, six, seven times. I mean, uh, Sarah Brazier was talking about email that got open 88 times. At that point, when you're over four opens, pick up the phone, yeah. call them. And I've even said, You opened my email. Yeah, and I've I, got that. Yeah. I've got that in my, in my cadence. I've got. Three times, then it creates a task to call, right? Um, because yep. I'm thinking, you know what? They're opening it a couple of times. Something's piquing their interest that uh, in in the message. And, you know, people will argue, well, they haven't asked for a call, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, the reality is the offline conversation um, is more important in my eyes than the email going out. But this is really good. I think we're getting to the heart of this. So... You're a sales pro, you've got your cadence. It's really consider the email. So it's taking time to, to, to think about the message um, across the different channels. And how many channels should sales folks, sales pros be leveraging now? I mean, there are so many. Um, I'm getting sold to on, on, on WhatsApp at the moment, which is just incredible. Um, I've, I've got a Telegram messaging app. People are finding me there. Um, how many channels should we be using to engage with prospects? Yeah, so I've been, I don't know if it's controversial to answer it this way, but, you know, the closer the system, the more real time, the higher propensity of a deal. So, like, anybody that knows you and starts liking you, like, and there's affinity, move to, like, if you have a LinkedIn connection and you're talking and there's some interest around an interest of what you do or how you can help them, move directly into WhatsApp, move directly into text, move directly into a B2C platform where your friends are. And the reason being is that then when you get to the end of the deal and things get locked up, you start texting back and forth. You can have weeks of email done over text. So for the bottom and low funnel, I'm all text now. I watched a chief revenue officer running a whole business off text message and WhatsApp. And I was like, wait, what am I doing? 
sitting around slowly waiting for yeah, the email response. Yeah, because it's, it's live. Like, You're right. It's live. It's real you know, time. Live. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, they can't hide and you can't hide, right? Like yeah. there's comfort in the slow email back and forth. But um, prospect your prospects wherever they are. Now I had to, I have to figure it out, right? Because I have like global reach. I, I capped my profile at 30,000 and I turned all my alerts off and I have to make some choices, right? Um, I'll use LinkedIn, Twitter, WhatsApp, text are my favorites. Those are like mm. breathing for me. And so I just run that way. Am I missing prospects by not being on Facebook as much or Instagram? Like I've seen Jake Dunlop yeah. do all sorts of experiments on that. I've seen cool stuff from Gaetano Dinardini and Morgan J. Ingram. Definitely look at some stuff that everyone has that you're not doing. Video drops, either yeah. Vidyard or BombBomb or native and LinkedIn in the app. You can leave a video yeah, or at least a cool. voicemail drop. That's pretty cool. But think like that. Think about standing out. I mean, if someone gets you know, 35 LinkedIn custom connects with the same generic template and you're suddenly mm. in there in a video. Yeah. I, met, I met a girl who did 5,000 video messages and then someone posted on her post, I did 10,000. They both worked <laughs> for bombbomb.com. So it was, but it's really awesome. But I, I love what you're saying. If you go, so engage with the prospects where they are, but try to be different. Try to be creative so that you're separating yourself from the sameness, the, you know, hope you're doing well, saw you on LinkedIn, blah, 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 blah. Because at the end of the day, I get that all the time. Um, and, yeah, and- so what I'll do is if you connect with me on LinkedIn and you're really interested in retargeting, for example, and I could sell that right now, really cool solution out of Tel Aviv called Reappy, um, then I will go into a WhatsApp and drop a GIF of like the great Gatsby, <laughs> like cheersing or something that they're totally not expecting. Like, and I might actually just pull their WhatsApp out of a lead IQ file yeah. and show up. Imagine you've connected on LinkedIn, expressed interest, so it's not irrelevant. I'm not spamming you. So I know that you kind of want retargeting. And instead of just constant LinkedIn messages or sending a bunch of emails with white papers, suddenly on your WhatsApp, I appear as a GIF and they're like, who's this? It's like, oh, loved our convo on LinkedIn. Yeah. I've never once had someone say, I don't want to talk to you. I've, I've, you've inspired me, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this next week. I've actually been. I was thinking about this the other day. I was, yeah. I was, I was even, you know, even your, um, <laughs> even your cameo, you know, sending a cameo. Like I looked at that. I'm like, that, that's fucking sick. You know, getting a Charlie Sheen or something to, to send a message. Yep. You know, just thinking outside the square. And I know, look, some people might not like Charlie Sheen, but I think what I'm getting from this is there's a lot of creativity. There's a lot possible. of creativity. We are sales pros. Um, in order to beat the bots, in order to continue to be, you know, separate ourselves from the competition, we have to be creative. I love Stu Heineke for that. You know, he can send a whole cartoon because he's a cartoonist. But we all have something we do interesting. Like there was the singing SDR. There are people that can juggle. There's people that can do sport. Like anything about you that's unique. Yeah, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. Like I, I know you pretty well, Louis. So I'm trying to think like. You're a sports guy. You could literally record a movie of yourself. You're a great runner, which I envy. Trust me. I'm always trying to get more fit and run. And yeah. like, people like you are natural. You could literally have like a GoPro on and leave voicemails for people while running. <laughs> That's good. I, I, I don't mind that. I'm, I think, you know, next week I'm going to play. Probably not next week. I'm a, I'm a nerd with this stuff, man. So I'll be, I'll be mucking around my cadence this weekend. But, but mate, yeah. before, we, um, before we wrap up, I was like, this is one question that I, I stopped asking a couple of episodes ago, but um, I was asking it religiously every episode. And I think this is a perfect time. Is sales an art or a science? 
Yeah, um, because sales is linguistic, linguistics and sales is neuroscience and neuroscience is emotional and emotions are artful, it has to be both, right? Yeah. It, 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 it's a trick question. Those that make it just a science and sell that way, they really, in this theory of disk, disk profiles, mm. right? They really are about an analytical buyer. However you psychologically profile your buyers, the psychographics, a certain type of buyer, like a CFO, loves graphs and charts. Mm. They might. I'm sure there's artsy CFOs. See it all the time, go to Burning Man. Who knows? I'm not trying to uh, make a generality. <laughs> but someone who's uh, like very personable yep. might be much more emotional. Like I just like Louie. I want to do the deal. Yeah. Like, he's a good guy. Reminds me of me. You know, Absolutely. when I was Louis's age, right? This happens all the time. So, the neuroscience. There's a book by Dave Hoffield called the Hoffeld called the Science of Selling. So, yeah, I love that book. He took ten years to write that thing, and he did so many case studies and so much research. It was like researching mice and orangutans and all sorts of stuff, and and I was just really impressed by it. Yeah, that's, but, a, that's uh, a cracking book. And for anyone that hasn't read it, one. got to you it's know, rare. it talks about social proof and um, yeah, really, you know, options and decoy effect, and it's it's fantastic. The big one was Cialdini, Robert Cialdini, who proved that's really a game of persuasion and influence. Yeah. But I would say, you know, learn the science, learn the process so you can break it. It's just like learning jazz music. Like you still got to read notes and know George Gershwin before you start playing like, you know, uh, Ornette Coleman and do free jazz. You don't just start playing free jazz. You spend 20 years learning to be like Miles Davis and Coltrane, right? Like this is a music analogy. Or sports, right? You yeah. don't get to have your own style as a power forward. You have to go through rookie year and years of <laughs> college ball, right? So I Absolutely. guess reps do need to stick to the science. Like get challenger trained, Sandler trained, Miller Hyman, get right, sales IQ trained, whatever's gonna be, learn the science and then riff on it. And so I'm a huge believer in coaching and training. I mean, I'm who I am today because I'm working with people like Tony Hughes, working with people like you. And yep. being curious about the art and science. Yeah. You know, follow, every, follow Louis and everyone like Louis in the world and then make up your own mind, but definitely try what he's talking about before you decide whether it's going to work or not. That's the science, is you can A B test everything. Biggest yeah. advice for sequencers, uh, it's John Barrows, but people ask me all the time, well, what's the right length? A B test it. How often? A B test it. Should you use Fibonacci? A B test it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a big I'm a big believer. I'm doing it right. I'm literally doing it right now. I've got the first one we sent, you know, eleven hundred emails. We're going to do a second one, um, same subject line. Then we'll do a third on the first line. Then we'll do a fourth, and that way we've got data to then go. Well, this is this is what works best for this type of profile. So this has been great, mate. But where can people connect with you and find more about you so that they can get a pre-order before your book comes out? Yeah, so I think we'll finally have like a HarperCollins page with a pre-order around October. The hardest yeah. part of traditional publishing has been the wait. So shout out to people like Keenan who sold 40,000 plus books uh, <laughs> indie. I think that's cool too. Um, you know, I just, uh, I have a pretty robust LinkedIn presence at Justin Michael. Um, and I really like that because it took years to build. And uh, please reach out to me on LinkedIn and fire questions at me. I'm really curious how your, you know, skeptical of what was shared on here or you're doing flavors of this or let's talk awesome man well look mate thanks for you know your contribution you put out some incredible content um i've learned heaps from you mate um in my own career and in my own role um and so it's been great having you on the show mate and i can't wait for your book to come out thank you so much louis uh, have an awesome day out there and thanks for the time thanks everyone <laughs>